You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. All right, folks, this is Real Presence Live. Steve Sponskowski here along with Tom O'Keefe. And we're having a great conversation this morning. Our first segment, we talked about Blessed Carlo Acutis with Father William Slattery and Jack Holdis. And then we just had Mark Holcraft on giving us an update about Real Presence Radio and the pleasure they had last week. And remember, you can still support Real Presence Radio. Again, this is not about Real Presence Radio. This is about you. The Lord wants to invite you into a relationship with him. Guess what? You only have so much space for relationship. And if you have things filling your life, he's not going to fit. So you got to take something from your life, remove it, and let him fill that space. And very often for us, it's our, our belongings, right? It's the things that we own, the money we have, our, our concern about the future, which is also about money. Right, But Real Presence Radio needs your support. So leave some space for the Lord. Make a bigger space for him by giving some of those things that you don't really need to Real Presence Radio. Pray about that. See what the Lord is asking you to do and support this work that they're doing here at Real Presence Radio, the work of evangelization. This hour, we are honored to have Father Kyle Metzger, principal of Shanley High School, in studio and also, also vocations director for the diocese, Correct. Correct. Good morning, fellas. How are you? We're doing great. Thanks for being here. Great to be here. Great to be here. What do you love about your jobs? <laughs> right? Many S's at the end. Jobs, yeah. Um, well, uh, in both uh, in both positions, you're working, you know, with the youth, the seminaries, or your older guys, but still on on the cusp of uh, the 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 thing I love is just working with young people who are on the cusp of making big decisions in their in their lives of. Of the Shanley students just coming to you know deeper formation and 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 uh, and that initial you know call to serve the Lord faithfully and then with you know the seminarians of really wrestling with that deep call of giving their whole lives in service to the Lord so it is a, a privileged position to you know accompany young people as their uh, you know disciples on the journey uh, falling in love with the Lord. You could be right there in those big decisions, and we know that in the big decisions, guess what. The Lord and His grace shows up big time. Yeah, I I don't think uh, this is my second year as principal, um, so it's still very new. But I don't think I've uh, felt quite the sense of the fatherhood previously in my priesthood as I do now, especially with the Stanley students. You know, when you're having students, you know who might make bad decisions or who might get in trouble. But to really love them and to see how this could be the opportunity to to really uh, 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 teach them some good lessons that are going to set them on. Uh, on a great trajectory. So you really are on, you know, the front lines of discipleship. Yeah, I was, uh, we were down in uh, Nebraska a couple of weeks ago, got to stop in to see my son Gregory, who's at the seminary there. And he just said, you know, dad, I'm absolutely at peace. This is where I need to be. I said, that's all you need to know. He goes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And yeah. enjoy that because there will be difficult yeah, times. You know, the spiritual life ebbs and flows. But, uh, but uh, yeah, being able to delight, you know, in just that cooperation with the Lord is really uh, um, 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 speak about the, uh, the pleasures of the soul. You know, we're so used to the pleasures of the body, you know, food and drink and sleep and rest. But those pleasures of the soul of that real deep abiding peace, you know, whether that be in friendship or in study or just serving the Lord, there's just a rest uh, in the Lord. And your, your son is probably experiencing a lot of that. Steve and I are in formation, as you said earlier, Father, and this weekend we're going through the compendium of the social teaching of the Catholic Church and talking about how to make decisions. 
uh, based on, on on that. And I think that's that's something that we've kind of lost in our secular world. And that, that in a, in a, a Catholic school, you can help us. How how do we make those decisions based on on good fundamental principles of our faith? Yeah, it's hard to make a decision because we're 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 impulsive. You know, we we see that in. In, in kids and teenagers, but even as adults, you know, it's, I have a quick impulsive decision rather than to, you know, take time and reflect and gain, gain counsel and, and do all that. And so, uh, um, that's, uh, I think a big challenge, you know, of our modern world to be, you know, slow and reflective and take time with, with decisions. Instead of act first and reflect later. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> point aim or point shoot aim. <laughs> <laughs> well, Father, we're, we're talking a little bit here about, we want to talk about explaining the Eucharist to the youth. Um, and I want to start with first your own journey with the Eucharist. Tell us a little bit about your uh, journey with the Jesus and the Eucharist. When was your uh, earliest encounters with Christ that you recall? I would probably say that, you know the, the 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 initial encounters probably came you know in high school. I don't remember you know as a, as a child as a young boy you know a, a deep abiding. Um, devotion to the Eucharist. There weren't particularly family customs that were that were particularly prominent. But you know, having gone through Catholic education, and then when you know I got to high school, we had a chapel. You know, at, at Shanley High School, and there was adoration that went on uh, on Fridays, and um, there were like twenty minute time slots to sign up for that. Now, the initial <laughs> the initial desire is to sign up in the middle of the class that you didn't like. Uh, yes. You got 20 minutes out of algebra that you didn't have to go to, but you know, the Lord works mysteriously and creatively. Um, and so like that might have been the initial push, but then, you know, you're there in front of the Lord, you know, and you're a teenager, you know, and you, you know, this was before a lot of, you know, technology and mobile phones. So you just, you know, you just sit there which is really what the Lord wants to clear away that distractions. And, you know, your mind goes to what are the difficult things or what are the stressful relationships or the frustrations with your parents. And I would say that was really the the beginnings of the inroads of just that quiet time in the Shanley Chapel where I could just kind of pour my heart out to the Lord. You know, I, I regularly prayed every night before I went to bed, but you're tired and you're kind of uh, starting to doze off. But this is, you know, in the middle of the day, you're very alert. And I think the Lord really started started working. I remember then when uh, when I was a senior in high school, my, my home parish um, was starting up adoration. And so they uh, there was, you, you know, those surveys that they do at this time of year, what ministries do you want to get involved with? And so they were kicking up adoration. And like I signed up for it at that point and tried to get it to align with my study halls. Now, it didn't. I never was able to make it work, but I remember that desire, you know, in high school. This this seems to be something that's very important and very meaningful to me. Um, um, I wanted to make that work. Um, now, you know, I have a regular uh, scheduled hour at the parish, but uh, I would say those though in my in my recollection, it really did begin at that time. So for parents who are listening, who are thinking, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to explain the Eucharist to my children or even how to, to invite them into a deeper relationship with Christ in the Eucharist, uh, what would you, what advice would you give to them? You know, the, the age, the age level matters, but uh, maybe a more broadly, you know, thing that can be applied to all and in many things, you know, piety and devotion in all matters, but certainly to the Eucharist, there is an entry point it's not where you want to want to stay, but the entry point is the external. So you know, if you if you're 
if you're a parent and you feel inadequate to explain, you know, some deep theology, like fine, like that's probably not what they're looking for. Their priest or their catechist can give that. But there is, you know, the entry point of the externals. We don't want to end there, but it's a place to start. So just external, you know, piety and reverence, you know, when you walk into church, you know, a quiet dressing the kids nicely, you know, for mass or um, or prayer, um, genuflection, you know, make a conscious genuflection, not like, you know, this convulsive flinch, you know, right before you get into the pew, which you see sometimes, but uh, making a reverent sign of the cross um, when you're walking forward, you know, just uh, talking to the kids about walking quietly, looking forward, folding your hands. Um, um, so I think that's a good entry point that the kids are going to model behavior. Kids model what they see, particularly from their parents. And so if you as their mother or father is modeling reverence toward the Eucharist, that's going to be the entry point for them to say, this is something important to mom and dad. They seem to um, behave differently and expect that from me. That's going to be in their unconscious you know, thoughts of, of um, there is something different here that I need to pay attention to. I think it's a great reminder because the, the, I know the uh, even as people get older, you'll hear them say, well, you know, this was really important to grandma, right. even if they're not living the faith. Well, this was really important to grandma. Yeah. Okay, well, that's an entry point. We want to go beyond that. But yeah. that, that, that modeling, I think, is a great. Well, there's a, a, a modern uh, advertising campaign where <laughs> the guy's helping people from turning into their parents, you know. And, but but there's, there's some truth into that as well as, as we see that authenticity the genuineness, that love that, that, that we could have for the Eucharist, our kids are going to see that as true. Yeah. I think, too, you know, then going, you know, a step further is um, if, like, the family has a, a Eucharistic holy hour or something like that to sign up for adoration um, and to bring the kids, I think especially when you get into those teenage years, it's very formative um, especially, you know, to kind of get away the, to uh, a lot of the distractions, but to see mom and dad do that, to do that as a family at the, at the parish that I live at, we, we do see, you know, that of several families. And I think that is, uh, that's really formative and, you know, kind of, uh, as vocation director hat, you know, just kind of looking at, you know, what, what are the, what are the histories, uh, of a lot of, you know, the seminarians or, or things like that. And, um, one of the the the, the greatest um, connections is Eucharistic adoration. It's like current seminarians. It's like seventy five percent of them have some history of Eucharistic adoration. Now we don't do that just simply so that you know it fosters vocations, but there's something deep that stirs within somebody that resonates with them, and so you know it's gonna be it's gonna be maybe a tough uh, a tough call for for a teenager to make that decision themselves. But if the family goes along with it and they're formed in that way, that can really set them on, you know, a lifelong of, of deep discipleship and prayer with the Lord. Some great advice there from Father Kyle Metzger about how to introduce your youth, your young adults to the Eucharist and to really foster that relationship with Jesus in the Eucharist. This is Real Presence Live. We're going to step away for a little bit of a break, but on the other side of the break, we're going to continue this conversation about the Eucharist um, and Jesus' presence, how we bring our youth into a realization and a relationship with Christ in the Eucharist. We'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. God's blessings to you all. And as all of you out in Radioland listen to Real Presence Radio, what a great gift it is for every one of us. As we're in the car traveling, that we learn something about our love for Jesus, something about the great gift He has given us through His holy family, which is the church. Or we also get to find something out more deeply about our own self, that we come to know that we are made in God's image and likeness. And the great gift that we have is made and loved by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So continue to listen to this wonderful radio station. We need to support it in every way so that this beautiful gift of the gospel message can be spread throughout where all of this is heard and that the Holy Spirit will strengthen you all in His love. Have a wonderful day and keep listening to Real Presence Radio. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. This is the RPR Network, and we appreciate your support of Real Presence Radio. Uh, Remember, our pledge drive was last week, and we can ask you to continue to support this work. Give us a call, 877-795-0122. I didn't even have to look that up, Tom. It's just so ingrained in my brain for about 13 years. It just comes out of my mouth. I was just thinking to myself how impressed I was by that. (laughs) Uh, I was afraid I might mess it up, but it's right there. But, folks, this is a great work. Continue this work. Again, make that space in your heart um, for the Lord. And we're talking about Eucharistic revival. One of the reflections, a modern reflection on John of the Cross, is that we often climb the mountain, trying to climb the mountain to the Lord's, and we towards the Lord. And it's like we're going through a jungle and we're chopping the weeds left and light, right with our machete, you know, trying to find that path to the Lord. And in the meantime, he's hovering overhead, looking for a place to land. Just stop, make a landing spot for him in your life, and he'll come down. You don't have to try to find him. He's already found you. He's hovering overhead. He wants to land. Make a space. And sometimes those things that we own, these things that we have, the things that we value, the place where our heart is at, it's so full of other stuff. There's no spot for him. Well, there's an opportunity here to take some, something of that you have, something that you have, a gift that you can give to Real Presence Radio. Open a spot for the Lord. Let him land. He's going he's gonna to enlarge that space. He's going to give you more space for him um, if you give him a little space. And so, Here's an opportunity to do that. And, of course, talking about Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith. Um, that's where we have to make space for him. And we're talking here with Father Kyle, M- Kyle Metzger. On the other side of the break, Father Metzger, we talked about how to you know, kind of introduce 
uh, youth to the Eucharist. And he mentioned, I think, I, again, I love this about our Catholic faith. Really, folks, we make this harder than it is. It's really basic. Let's just go back to the basics. Okay, how do we get our children to believe in the Eucharist? Well, how about we believe in the Eucharist? If we, our children model, if we model that, our children are watching what we do. You know, they will do what we do and maybe do a few things we say, but they're really going to do what we do for the most part, at least to start out with. And so we have to model that faith, faith, dress our children well for Mass and say, this is something special. Have them face forward during Mass. Have them be quiet at Mass. Uh, just modeling that. This is something great. And, and, and they're going to see that. We have to model that to them. Yeah, you know, with, with, with religion, there, there's definitely, you know, the, the, the doctrine, the content of the faith, which is important. Obviously, I'm an educator, but the, the most important thing is that you love the faith, right? There's that affective response to it. And, you know, with the Eucharist, there's so much opportunity there of fostering that devotion, that piety, that love of the Eucharist. You know, maybe you don't know all, you know, the nuances or the terms of being able to articulate exactly what the Eucharist is, but but you know it's Jesus's body and blood. And if you know that, like, how would one respond to to being in, in the presence of that. In the early centuries of the church, the church spread amongst, you know, the poor and the uneducated, but there was, there was the basic knowledge of what they believed, but then that animated, you know, how they lived their lives and the devotion that they, that they shown. So you don't have to be inhibited by maybe uh, feeling inadequate to articulate all the details of the faith, but do you love the faith? Do you love Jesus Christ? And is that like, you know, manifested in your behavior and your priorities, your schedule, your paycheck? And your 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 children, you know, see see that what your priorities are, what you love. That's very apparent. Some of, some of it is is the beauty of, of the mystery too. You know, you talk about spreading between the poor and uneducated because they're probably more willing to to grab the mystery of the Eucharist than than the educated who want to be able to grasp at it, understand it, know it, and figure it out. And and the beauty of the of the Eucharist is there's always more. You can always go deeper into your 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 belief and d- deeper into your faith. There's going to be another. Uh, incident where you think, oh, I just didn't think I could love the Eucharist as much as I, I, I did now. There, there's more. Mm-hmm. So true. Can, can I share a brief story that yes. a seminary professor shared us with about the Eucharist, which just really struck me when he shared this in, in, in class. And I always share this on Corpus Christi um, Sunday at Mass that this, this priest was, before he was a priest, he was working in the uh, CIA, the intelligence agency, and he was, he was in an operation um, Uh, in the first desert storm. when uh, And he said there was an an operation in the middle of the night. They were crossing over the Jordanian border into Iraq. And he was in a car with all these these local Muslim people. Um, And he said it's like bone silence in this car in the middle of the night, you know, this lead up to this first Iraqi war, desert storm. And he said as he's crossing the border, um, one of the, the Muslims, you know, leaned over to him and kind of in a hush whisper, he said, is it true? And like he said, like, this is a very bad question, you know, in the middle of a military operation. You don't know what he's getting at, but asking about the truth, the veracity of a statement. And um, and so this this future priest, this, you know, American, he would say, you know, is what true? And the, 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 the Arab says, is it true that you believe God is in the bread? 
Now, that formulation is a little clunky, but he knew what he was driving at. Like, you Americans, you Christians believe that, like, God is in this this piece of bread. And so, like, this future priest is, like, terrified. You know, you're, you're asserting your Christian faith, your belief in the Eucharist, war, you know, you're an undercover operation. What, what, what's the end game here? But he's, he mustered up the faith and, you know, he, and he just said to him, yes, you know, we do believe that that is true. And he says this Arab just kind of leans back in the car and just kind of nods his head, uh, looking kind of off in the distance. And then he says back to him, he says, if that were true, I would never leave the room. And like that just really struck him, you know, like if it were true. Now, this Arab didn't believe that. But for we as Christians and saying that if that were true, God was in the bread. Again, that formulation's a little clunky. But if that were true, like why would you want to be anywhere else? Your whole life would be oriented around adoration and being there at every moment. If the entire Godhead was within this host, like, and the truth of that. Like we don't live our lives by that, but but in in a, in a mysterious way, that Arab was kind of cutting through a lot of the noise to say, well, but you do believe that. Why isn't your life oriented around that? So I think you know, in God's you know mystery of of the veracity of that statement, if it were true, I would never leave the room. And I, that's just always struck me that we can become. Um, the Eucharist can become familiar to us. It can become comfortable to us. And so there, there, we need those opportunities where we really realize like what the Eucharist is, what the Lord has given us in this most sublime sacrament, and really how we always do need to come back to the reality of what it is and what the Lord has given us and how we can you know, uh, show our love and devotion to him in the Eucharistic presence. I think it's a great reminder of, of Christ in the Eucharist. But if you're listening out there thinking, oh, well, I should probably go to the Adoration Chapel now and stay there all day. I don't think, and that's actually where the church takes the next step and says, yes, he's present, truly present in the Eucharist. And then you receive him at Mass, and he becomes present in you. And the words, the Latin to the, the end of Mass, ita misa est, the Mass is, thus the Mass is. It's not ended. You actually have to take the Mass into the world. We become the Eucharist in the world. That's the call of evangelization. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of uh, provocatively, you become what you eat, you yeah. know? And so we really are becoming, you know, another Christ, uh, that really we are literally fed um, upon him. And so, yeah, the the... Again, in the Lord's grandeur, you know, coming up with this, how am I going to be present to the people? Just like stunning, you know, the Lord's the Lord's generosity of, of this sacrament, the source and the summit, you know, according to the Second Vatican Council of our faith, everything builds up to and flows from, you know, being able to receive the Lord uh, truly present within us. Just stunning. Well, he promised us that he'd be with us always. And, and he is. And he is in, in that Eucharist. And there, when we when we take that Eucharist on Sunday or daily Mass, and we take it out with us uh, to evangelize, he is truly with us always. When Pope Paul VI, he said, evangelization is bringing the gospel message of Jesus Christ into every human action. I mean, I think that speaks to me. Uh, you know, if we as Christians brought Jesus Christ, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, into every human action, the world would stop and look and say what was said of the early church. Look how they love one another. 
Our, our churches would be flooded. It's not that the, uh, you know, the Catholic faith, the Christian faith has been uh, tried and been found wanting. It's that it hasn't truly been tried. <laughs> I mean, and if we look at this, going back to this question of, you know, and I've even thought this, I've said this out loud. Where, is, where are the John Paul II's? Where are the Mother Teresa's of the world? We don't have a John Paul II anymore. We don't have a Mother Teresa. And the answer is, where am I? I'm supposed to be the John Paul II. I'm supposed to be Mother Teresa of the world. Stop looking outside myself for somebody else to have heroic virtue and start cultivating her heroic virtue in my own life today. Because yeah. we're called to that sainthood as blessed Carlo Acutis was. And so that's the message today, right? That's the message for us. We are called to be Christ to the world so that people are drawn and saying, oh, gosh, look at the, what, is the, what, what change has Christ made in your life, Right? Uh, Dr. Ray Grandy said on the radio a number, a number of weeks back, and I keep sharing this, but he said, you know, if the world hates you because of Jesus, good for you. If the world hates you because of Jesus, good for you. But if the world hates Jesus because of you, you need to make a change. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I got slapped by that. Yeah, I'd never heard that before. That is, you know, kind of brings it all to the fore about modeling Christ. Go therefore, baptize all nations, teaching them all that I have commanded. You know that I am with you always until the end of time. Um, how can we be more like Christ? That's the call of every disciple. Well, we're talking about the Eucharist here, and this weekend we have the Eucharistic Conference here in, in the Diocese of Fargo. And I understand, uh, Father Metzger, you have a intimate role, an intimate part of that. I was asked to be the Master of Ceremonies, which uh, at first I was like, oh my goodness. But then I'm like, well, wait, everything's scripted for me. <laughs> you know, I just got to introduce people. So, But yeah, I am, I am uh, super looking forward to this. I remember back in high school, you know, when we had a couple of these uh, in the diocese that I attended, just very like transformative. And uh, um, so, yeah, I'm very much so looking forward to the conference coming up this weekend. And you're not really going to follow the script, right? Because well, we just don't do that kind of thing. I ad lib, you know, I <laughs> yeah. can elaborate and embellish, right? <laughs> you can. That's part of it's your job. It's just a skeleton, you know. Right. I'll, I'll add the flesh to Guideline. it. Guideline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if nothing else, come by and just hear for the com- hear the commentary of Father Kyle Metzger at the conference. But it'll be a great weekend, folks. We're looking forward to a great time, and it's going to end with a Eucharistic healing um, healing. Uh, uh, I want to say session, but a healing. It's not a mass, but you know, prayers. Um, and of course, we, as we know, Christ is the divine physician. And so there's certainly a lot of healing that we all need uh, in our lives. And so join us for the Eucharistic Conference. If you want, again, uh, register for that. Again, I think we're getting really close to our thousand uh, maximum there. But uh, Diocese of Fargo, FargoDiocese.org uh, forward slash redeemed. You can register for the conference this weekend uh, starting on Friday night. It'll go Friday night and Saturday, uh, closed by about 4 p.m. on Saturday with a social. So, uh, well, Father uh, Metzger, any final thoughts you'd like to share with us about uh, the youth and the Eucharist, the Eucharist revival, anything that uh, you'd like to share? I just uh, I think that there's always, you know, uh, more that can be learned and, and devotion offered to the Eucharist. I just think that it's a great wisdom of of Bishop Folda and the whole U.S. Uh, Bishops Conference to recognize, you know, the, the need for this Eucharistic revival. And so I th- really think it is providential, a working of the Holy Spirit for us to kind of come back to the that uh, most profound mystery of our faith of how can we love Jesus truly present in the Eucharist and pass it on to our kids. I just pray, uh, pray for the Holy Spirit uh, to overflood all of our dioceses here. Amen to that, folks. Don't go away. On the other side of the break, we're going to come back with Father Jim Ermer. We're going to start our series on talking about the heresies in the church and why we believe what we believe of the sacraments. Don't go anywhere. 
This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 